make your way to junior church. And I think some of the other kids, older kids, are also working for the Christmas program, which is coming up. And we're looking forward to that next Sunday, the children's program. They've been working hard, and I'm grateful for all of them. One one raw winter night, a man heard an irregular thumping sound against the kitchen storm door. He went to a window and watched as a as tiny shivering sparrows, attracted to the evident warmth inside, beat in vain against the glass. Have we ever seen that? A bird just flies right into the glass of a glass door or something like that. Or here these tiny shivering sparrows are trying to get inside where it's warm. Touched the farmer, bundled up and trudged through fresh snow to open the barn for the struggling birds. He turned on the lights, tossed some hay in a corner, and sprinkled a trail of saline crackers to direct them to the barn. But the sparrows, which had been scattered in all directions, but the sparrows scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, and they hid in the darkness, afraid of the man. They were afraid. He could not communicate to the sparrows that he wanted to help them. He tried various tactics circling behind the birds to drive them toward the barn, tossing cracker crumbs in the air toward them, retreating into his house to see if they'd flutter into the barn on their own. Nothing worked. He, a huge alien creature, had terrified them. The birds could not understand that he actually desired to help them. He withdrew to his house and watched the doomed sparrows through a window. As he stared, a thought hit him like lightning from a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, one of them, just for a moment, then I wouldn't frighten them so. I could show them the way to warmth and safety. At the same moment, another thought dawned on him. He had grasped the whole principle of the Incarnation. The incarnation is that God became a human being in Jesus. Now, he hadn't grasped the whole principle because there's a, lot of, there's a lot more to this. Jesus didn't just come as human to show us the way. There are a lot of very, I hate to use the word liberal, but I will here, liberal pastors that would say that all Jesus did was become a, an example for us. But no, Jesus did not just become an example for us. He came to die on the cross for our salvation and rise again. A man's becoming a bird is nothing compared to God's becoming a man. The concept of a sovereign being, as big as the universe he created, confining himself to a human body was and is too much for some people to believe. Today's focus is Jesus being our mediator. Jesus being both God and man. And why that is important. Jesus came fully God and fully man, and he, he became our mediator. But why else was that important? Did he have to be fully human and fully God to die on the cross for our sins and rise again? Yes, he did. Jesus could not be the ultimate perfect substitute for our sins except being fully human and fully God. He had to be fully human because we needed a human substitute to cover human sin. He had to be fully God because only somebody fully God could withstand the wrath of God. It takes you and me. It takes a human being. Hopefully it doesn't take you and me if you know Jesus. It would take a human being an eternity in hell to pay for their sin. Sin against an infinite God. But Jesus, being fully human and fully God, could pay that cost in a moment.
I want to begin the discussion with the idea of Jesus being fully human. And I have a lot of scriptures today. And if you don't have a copy of the manuscript and you want to look them up later, uh, it's on my blog, which is linked on our website. They're also linked to the YouTube video when we upload it to YouTube. It's also linked to the podcast when I put it on the podcast right after the sermon. So you can see all the scriptures linked there. You know, Jesus was born just as any other baby is born. And we're going to focus on that later in the month, Christmas Eve. We're focusing on the birth narrative, the birth of Jesus. He's born just like any other baby was born. Uh, we see that in the traditional Christmas passages of Luke 2, 1 through 7, and Matthew 1, 18 through 25. I write that he was, and, and share that he was born just like any other baby, but his birth conception was different. He was born like any other baby, but he was conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit. Luke 1.35 says that. His conception was miraculous by the Holy Spirit. He was, Mary had never known a man. We'll look at that more later on. You know, Mary was asking the angel, how can this be? I've never known a man. How can, how can I have a baby? I've never known a man. She knew biology. She knew how this worked. And, and, and uh, the angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come upon her. The Spirit of the Most High God will come upon you. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. One person writes, Gabriel gives telltale clues about the metaphysics of the virgin birth and that the Holy Spirit will overshadow. It's a Greek word, episkaizo. I think I said that right. I might not have, though. Uh, the Holy Spirit will overshadow Mary. The, th- this verb is used elsewhere for the glorious manifestation of God on earth. The glorious manifestation of God on earth happened in her womb. That's implying that God's spirit is the active agent of the special creation of the human body of Jesus in Mary's womb. God's spirit is the active agent of the special creation of the human body of Jesus in Mary's womb. Now, in the last hundred years, there's a lot of people that would say Jesus was not born of a virgin. And they start compromising this stuff. But the scriptures make it very clear. God's spirit was the active agent. God was at work. And Jesus came fully human and fully God. And this is a perfect, awesome way that God could become a man. That God could bridge the gap. God came into our neighborhood. Look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Eugene Peterson says, Jesus came into our neighborhood. God became a human being. The creator became part of his creation. Last week, we focused on Jesus being preexistent. Jesus was with God in eternity past, and he came down, he took on flesh, he became a human being. First Timothy chapter two, verse five. For there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He came, he became a human being, he became our ultimate sacrifice and also our mediator which is part of the thing, part of what a mediator would do, would take care of the sacrifice for the sins of the people. He's our prophet, priest, and king. He came, fully God and fully man. Luke 2.52 shows that he grew in knowledge and stature. Now, why is that important? He went through growing pains as we do. Why is that important? It's important to establish that Jesus came fully God, but also fully man. And as a human being, he grew in knowledge. 
Luke 2, 52, it says, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. As God, he's omniscient. He knows everything. But there are certain times and places where he, he submitted himself to the laws and principles of this world. And part of that was growing up. Hebrews 5, 8 shows he learned. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. John eleven thirty five shows he, that he had emotions. Jesus wept. As a human being, he had emotions. As God, God is never taken captive by emotions. He, God does have emotions, but he's never surprised by them. He's never caught off guard by them. He's never taken captive by them. Jesus, fully human and fully God, had emotions and he wept. John 4, 6 shows that Jesus was tired. John chapter 4, verse 6, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So as a human being... Jesus got tired. John 19, 28 shows Jesus was thirsty. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. As a human being, Jesus went through thirst. In Matthew chapter four, verse two, Jesus was hungry. That's when he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights and the devil came to tempt him. And it says he was hungry. And John 8, 46 shows he was sinless. That was critical. Jesus came fully human and fully God, and he never once sinned. In one way, we could say that he could not sin because he's God, and sin is totally and completely against his being. However, we do know he was tempted. We do know he was tempted, and he never once sinned. In John 8, 46, he says, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? He gave them opportunities. None of them could prove him guilty of sin. So Jesus is fully man, fully human. And there are many other scriptures showing his humanity, one of which would be that he died. He died on the cross. He died. He died on the cross for our sins. He died and he was resurrected. He's not dead anymore. He died and he was resurrected. Jesus was fully human. He still is fully human, by the way. And he was and still is and has always been fully God. And someone, had, someone once said he was the God-man. He was the God-man. Not God indwelling a man. Of such there have been many. God indwells any of us. If we know Jesus is Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He was the God-man. Not God indwelling a man. Of such there have been many. Not a man deified. Of such there have been none. Saving the myths of pagan systems of thought. But God and man. Combining in one personality the two natures, a perpetual enigma and mystery, baffling the possibility of explanation. We cannot explain it. It's an enigma. It's a mystery. God became a man, fully God and fully man. Jesus came, fully God and fully man. In Revelation twenty-two thirteen, we see Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says, He's the first and last. Now, that doesn't mean he had a beginning. It doesn't mean he has an end. He's saying he is eternal. He is outside of time because Alpha and Omega were the beginning and the end of the alphabet. But in Revelation 1.8, God the Father says the same thing. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So you have God the Father and you have God the Son, Jesus, both saying the exact same thing. Jesus, fully human and fully God. In Matthew 8, 26 through 27, Jesus' miracles show his deity. This shows that Jesus is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. Jesus, just as God is omnipotent, Jesus is omnipotent. 
This means that Jesus, in being all-powerful, could calm the seas. And this is what it says, Matthew 8, 26 through 27. Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus' miracles prove his deity, prove that he is God, fully God, fully man. In Mark 2, 8, Jesus being all-knowing shows that he is God. Jesus says, God is omniscient. Jesus also knew all men and was also omniscient. Now, as I said, there were certain times where the scriptures declare he grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in knowledge. But there are other times where it's quite clear Jesus knew what was in all men and women. He knew their hearts. He knew certain things because he's God. In Matthew 18, 20, we see that Jesus is all present, omnipresent. Jesus, God is omnipresent, present everywhere. Jesus also is present everywhere. And we see that about God the Father in Psalm 139. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus is talking about after he's resurrected, he is with us always. He says that again in Matthew 28, 20 as well. He is with us always. Jesus is omnipresent, present everywhere, just like God the Father is present everywhere. Now, I weeded this down. I have many other scriptures it's like when you say, uh, Pastor, none of you really said this, but you're thinking, and I know, you know, that sermon went a little too long, and you don't know, I shaved an hour off the message, okay? But there are many, many, many other scriptures that we could go to to show Jesus' humanity as well as his deity, fully human and fully God. But you can see from the verses that I have read that Jesus' life shows that he is God. He showed through his life many of the attributes of the Godhead. Jesus was and still is fully human and fully God. And this is a true part of our faith. The scriptures show this. He did not come being 50% human and 50% God. No, 100% God and 100% human. Now, why does it matter? I'm going to just share this really quick and then we'll move on. It was necessary for him to be fully God. Only someone infinitely God could bear the burden of the entire human race's sin. I already shared that in the beginning of the sermon. Only somebody infinitely God could bear the burden of the entire human race's sin. Also, Jonah 2.9 says, salvation is from the Lord. Only God himself could save man. Only somebody truly and fully God could be the one mediator between God and man. I read that passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And this is to bring us back to God and reveal God to us. If you consider the cults, they usually minimize one aspect of who Christ is. And we have to be really, really, really careful not to get away from what the scriptures teach about Jesus, the God-man, fully human and fully God. In Mere Christianity, a book which I highly commend to any of you, C.S. Lewis wrote, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. They'll say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis says, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd be either a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is a son of God, or else a madman or something else. Jesus, the son of God, fully human, fully God, came, lived a fully human and fully God life, went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins and rose again. 
As we continue this Christmas season, which just began with today being the second Sunday of Advent, do you believe in Jesus and who is he to you? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Reflect on your relationship with Jesus. Are you right with God? Jesus might be speaking to you during this season. He might be saying, follow me. Have you made a commitment to Jesus before? Have you surrendered your life to him? Now is the time. This Jesus, who we have talked about today, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to the Father. And we get to the Father by confessing we are a sinner in need of a Savior. That means that we repent. Believing in Jesus as the one and only Savior. Believe he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. Trusting in him and committing to him. Confessing, believing, trusting, and committing to him. Someone once said, like a jewel's brilliance is displayed on a black cloth. Jesus' love is displayed against the blackness of sin and the filth of the flesh. Jesus' love is shown by how he took our sins on the cross. How can you be encouraged today? We see enough in Scripture to know that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is Lord. I like what Charles R. Swindoll said, the storm will come. And if you have a rock to stand on, you will plunge. Jesus is that rock. Let Jesus be your rock this week. You can trust him as your savior and protector. Helen Malakot made a real contribution to your life and mine when she wrote the following. She wrote, I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly, my Lord was speaking. My Lord said, my name is I am. He paused, I waited, he continued. When you live in the past with these mistakes and regrets... It is hard. I'm not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard. I'm not there. My name is not I will be. When you live in this moment, it's not hard. I am here. My name is I am. Jesus is with us all the time. Let him be your rock. And one more illustration example. Not long ago, I heard a story about a five-year-old boy who loved the piano. Anytime he got the chance, he would sit down and fiddle around on the keys. He never had any lessons or formal training because he was told that he was too small or too young to play the piano. But in spite of those, but in spite of those comments, he continued to practice and practice. And the only song this five-year-old boy knew was Chopsticks. He knew how to play Chopsticks. And he would play Chopsticks repeatedly, again and again and again, play Chopsticks. Now, my daughters are learning piano, and they're doing fabulously. But uh, they just learned the Star Wars song, one of them. But, and it can be pretty annoying. You want them to practice. <laughs> but you're also like, stop it. This little boy, five years old, just kept playing Chopsticks. One day, the father's boy surprised, uh, one day the boy's father surprised him with tickets to go to the symphony. And here, a world-renowned Italian pianist. They're going to go to the symphony and hear a world-renowned Italian pianist. He loves the piano, so imagine his excitement when he gets to hear a world-renowned Italian pianist. This man was one of the greatest pianists that had ever lived. The night of the concert, the night of the concert arrived, and as they walked to their seats... The little boy saw the beautiful grand piano on stage behind the curtain. When no one was looking, he snuck over and sat down on the piano bench and began to play his elementary version of Chopsticks. Sneaks behind the curtain, begins to play Chopsticks. The boy was so caught up in his uh, 
About this time, the curtain began to rise, and the audience was prepared to see the world-famous master pianist. Instead, they saw the little boy hunched over the keys playing chopsticks. The boy was so caught up in his world that he did not even know anyone was watching. He didn't know the curtain, the curtain opened. He didn't know anything was going on. He just kept on playing chopsticks. When he suddenly realized what was happening, he was petrified. And just as he was about to get up and run for his life, two big arms reached around him and placed two big hands on the piano keys. It was the master pianist. He whispered in the little boy's ear, keep playing. As the little boy continued to play his simple rendition of chopsticks, this world-renowned pianist began to play a Beethoven symphony, a Beethoven piece, a Beethoven symphony, symphony piece scored in the same cadence and key. So he's playing chopsticks, and the master pianist is playing a Beethoven symphony scored in the same exact key. Under the direction of the master, the rest of the orchestra came in. First, he brought in the woodwinds, then the brass, then the percussion. The boy's father sat there with tears coming down his cheeks. He couldn't believe what he was experiencing. He never dreamed that simple tune he heard in his living room each day would become a beautifully orchestrated Beethoven symphony. What was the difference? What was the difference between the little five-year-old boy playing chopsticks and now he's playing chopsticks while a symphony is playing all around him? What was the difference? The master stepped in. Sometimes in life, you may not feel like you have the talent, the wisdom, or the know-how. People may not see your desire or ability, but the good news is God does. He does. And when you use what you have, the master will step in. He'll put his hands on top of your hands like that master pianist putting his hands on top of the little boy. He'll put his hands on top of your hands. He'll take what you think is average, average gifts, average talent, average ability, and he'll turn your life into a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Jesus, Emmanuel, that's what that means. God with us is with us all the time, taking our average and making it awesome, making it awesome. I'm gonna close in prayer and I do encourage you to continue to reflect on where you are with Jesus. Reflect all the time, but especially during this Advent season as we celebrate his, his birth, as we celebrate his coming. If he's not Lord of your life, you never promise tomorrow. Repent and turn your life over to him. He wants to be with you, the master wrapped around you, helping and build him up. Uh, we're gonna have a closing song right after. We're not gonna have the altar call song. It's just gonna be the closing song. And following the closing song, um, Bill will close in prayer, but we'll just have just a couple minutes recess and then we'll begin the business meeting. Please, 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 please stay. They're not generally long meetings. Uh, stay for the business meeting. We really need you as members in this business meeting uh, for the church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are with us. You're with us always, even into the end of the age. That's what Matthew 28, 20 says. You're with us. Jesus, we celebrate and worship you and thank you that you came fully human and fully God, died on the cross for our sins and rose again. You became our ultimate sacrifice, our ultimate substitute for our sins. Lord God, if anyone here today has not surrendered to you, may today be the day where they confess they are a sinner in need of a savior, believe in you as the one and only savior, trust in you and commit to you to turn their life over to you. Lord God, I pray that you remind us again and again and again this week 
that you are the master, you're the Lord of the heaven and the earth, and you're with us. You're with us. You're with us always. We're never alone. You're with us always. Blessing guide us as we close in song and then have this congregational meeting and then depart. In Jesus' name, amen.